Welcome to this special report brought to you by the Legal Talk Network. Now, Luann Reed. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on which part of the world you're in today listening to the program. We're very fortunate to have a special guest with us, Larry Weber, whose name is known around the world in public relations and marketing. Larry's an expert on the convergence of technology, the web, and communications, and a frequent speaker on the future of marketing with his crystal ball, the social web and building communities online. He's chairman of W2 Group, a next-generation marketing services holding company. He founded one of the industry's first interactive marketing agencies, Thunderhouse, and has worked with a lot of world-class clients. His reputation has a long and successful history. I'll never be able to... Uh, talk about all of it. In 1987, Larry started his own public relations company, the Weber Group, and it had a quick and successful rise. In 2001, Larry engineered the merger of Weber Shadwick Worldwide and BSMG Worldwide to form the world's largest public relations firm. In an early 2004, he decided to return to his entrepreneurial roots and became chairman and founder of W2 Group, Inc. He's also the co-founder and chairman of the board of directors of the Massachusetts Innovation and Technology Exchange. And his newest book is what we want to talk about today, called The Marketing to the Social Web, How Digital Customer Communities Build Your Business. I could go on and on, but then we could never hear from Larry. So thank you, Larry, for joining us today. My pleasure. Now, in Marketing to the Social Web, your newest book, you talk about the phases of the Internet we've passed through. Now we're in the third phase, the rise of the social web, and Web 4.0 is near... Can you talk about that a bit more? Sure. Um, before I talk about Web 4.0, um, you know, and not to be too trendy since everybody's talking about 2.0, but um, I was lucky enough to introduce HTML um, in uh, the late 80s, early 90s for Tim Berners-Lee, now Sir Tim Berners-Lee, when he moved his work to uh, the Lab for Computer Science at MIT in uh, Cambridge. And that was the first phase. And if anybody remembers, that was really about five to six years of just site building, where companies just moved their collateral materials online. It still wasn't taking advantage of the interactive nature of HTML as it layered on top of the Internet. The second phase, obviously, was around late 94 when the browser was introduced. And that created what are today some of our leading Internet companies, because you could click and get things done, and you could... uh, buy things, you could search things, and so the advent of Ebays and Googles, etc., Amazons, uh, and that was really the second phase of the web. The social web started to have its roots in the late 1990s with companies like Friendster, uh, Emode, which became Tickle, and um, those, of course, somehow survived the dot-com crash, but the seeds were laid enough to start emerging, and in the last couple of years, we've seen the more popular sites like MySpace, Facebook, and hopefully, as my book points out, moving more into the enterprise of the social web uh, where companies are understanding a new way to communicate with their constituency base. The, the Web 4.0, which is really starting right about now, is very simple. It's, um, it's going to be the marriage of rich media and uh, broadband or mobility, and the web is going to become the closest thing to physical life we have because it's going to be emotive. 
Uh, I call it the emotive web, this next phase, because you're going to be able to laugh, cry, buy, sell in a highly visual and emotional uh, matter. And we're already seeing examples of that. So those are sort of the the four phases that I see. And uh, I think we're moving into the one that will last the longest, which is this more emotive, rich media and mobility phase. Well, and the rich media phase, obviously, is what uh, we're integrally interested in here at our company. We come from the broadcast background, so I want to talk to you a little bit about part one in your book. You call it Pandemonium, the Landscape of the Social Web. Um, now, pandemonium sometimes has a bad connotation, but I think in this case you're talking about the change, call it a revolution, from traditional media, which is where I come from, the broadcast industry, to an explosion of messaging in different ways to reach the target audience. Am I pretty close there? Yeah, you're pretty close. Remember, the real definition of pandemonium, believe it or not, is ordered chaos. <laughs> and uh, um, and really that's, you know, if, if any normal person looking at what's happening on the web today can get very confused very quickly because there's just so much happening so fast. But I think like most things, um, especially of this size and scope, it is self-organizing, much, you know, much like, uh, you know, nature does. And uh, it's not going to be the Wild West anymore. You're going to increasingly have passworded uh, places to go. They're going to be highly um, content-rich. They're going to be predominantly visual. Um, it's going to be interactive visual. You know, you'll have your great... Uh, video casts and your your video presentations, but there's going to be an interactive ability so that people can then uh, talk with the content, talk with the people that are part of that, and that's really the the biggest change that's going to go on. The companies that understand how to create rich media environments are going to hugely succeed. Like I say in the book, the definition of branding is changed in this environment. Branding is the dialogue you have with your customer. The stronger the dialogue, the stronger your brand. The weaker the dialogue, the weaker your brand. And that's all going to be about rich digital, uh, rich media digital environments where people want to go, not that they have to go. And, um, and, and that's what I mean by that. Well, you raise an interesting point in that transition because as uh, we experience, too, some marketing folks still carry that old mindset of using traditional media, um, print, radio, and TV advertising. But as as we, we've known for quite some time, those do not deliver what they used to. Um, you don't have to convince me of that. But in your book, you describe the Internet as the umbrella, the most important marketing medium. That, that That's pretty revolutionary to a lot of folks. Well, the mistake, I think, that was made the last 10 years, and maybe not mistake is too strong of a word, but I think that it, especially what Madison Avenue um, sort of drilled into all the marketers' heads was that the Internet was just another channel, so that in your mix or in your artillery of, of, of platforms, you had newspaper, television, um, magazines, uh, you know, direct mail, and the Internet, just another channel. What I argue is the Internet has already eaten half of print. It's eating television as we speak, and it is becoming not a channel anymore. It's going to be, like I said earlier, the closest thing to physical life. So companies are going to have to mirror what they do in the real world to what they do in the digital world. 
And it's interesting that our companies, more and more, we're seeing not just marketing people come to the table as we build these new digital environments. We're seeing customer service. We're seeing sales. We're seeing lead generation. So it's starting to cut across the entire business on how we're building this. Now, to the traditional media point, I mean, I, I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but, you know, there's two issues in corporate America, especially right now. One is that old habits die hard. You have companies with four, five, six hundred million dollar television broadcast budgets, yet a third of those are DVR'd or TVO'd if you'd, if you'd like to use a brand. And I would not want to be the CMO that walks into the CEO and says, gee, I just flushed $150 million. I don't know where it went. And I believe there's got to be a huge shift in the expenditures moving into creating digital rich media environments that attract customers on, a, on an hourly uh, or by minute basis uh, to create impactful sales situations. And um, where traditional media will, I think, maintain some semblance of hope is where it just helps you arrive or get to or, or, or point you to a digital destination. Even last year's Super Bowl, of the 30-something ads, almost two-thirds of them were not content-rich at all. They just pointed you to a digital destination. So that's where a lot of, of traditional media is going to go. And soon we're going to start seeing the next uh, point I'd like to make of, of facing corporate America is they've got to reorg their marketing departments. You can't have the ad guys and girls, the PR guys and girls, the direct marketing. This has got to be campaign people. This has got to be some names, uh, some titles I've been seeing recently are, you know, the vice president of community, um, you know, director of, um, of content. Uh, you know, so companies are understanding that you've got to become a publisher in a way. You've got to start producing content to attract your, uh, your customer and potential customers. Well, it's interesting that, that you say that because even in the broadcast industry from which I came, we always, we were always preached and we, we executed to get the message, talk to your audience. And I think maybe that's just the most simple thing that people may be forgetting. Marketers clearly have to get the message where the audience is. And if I, I mean, if I give you one stat about where the audience is on the internet now, it'll be old, but 10 minutes from now. Uh, how how are marketers in, in the bigger picture of people who are communicating on how are they going to get that message that they have to reach that audience well what's what's happening and, and and nothing will be stopped are two things one is a number of marketers don't think that their brands and products and are being talked about on the internet and they are so mm-hmm. they've got to start monitoring those conversations especially in the more impactful blogs and e communities and reputation aggregators or the search engines um, where those conversations are are happening. Uh, You know, the second thing is that, you know, these companies are going to have to start, you know, really working hard in in understanding from those conversations what kind of content is going to be put on their sites so that people keep coming back and, and downloading, et cetera, et cetera. The third point I'd like to make, is that the web is going to continue to get uh, what I call the cascade of domains effect. And by that I mean that you're going to get audiences that are very, very 
um, uh, specific to what they're looking for. And I often use this uh, uh, sort of a funny example to what I'm talking about. Uh, I had a friend in the private equity industry who had a son, and he would always keep us informed of what his son was doing. This is one of these very hard-driven men. He was all happy about five years ago when his son got into Berkeley, and he sent an email out to everybody, and we all said, great, Josh is in Berkeley. But then two years later, he sent out an email to everybody, oh, I'm a little depressed because Josh decided to major in film and broadcast like you. <laughs> and, I, and, of course, all of us said, well, you know, if that's what makes him happy, you got to sort of go with it. And, of course, he graduates from Berkeley with honors in film, and uh, doesn't get a job, and his dad says, see, I knew you wouldn't be able to get a job. And he's, uh, during his uh, growing up time, his dad, would, uh, to bond with him once a year, would take him fishing in northern Idaho to some different special place every year. So um, Josh decides, since he doesn't have a job, can I take all my new equipment, all my new equipment, and uh, go up for the summer to uh, where we used to fish when I was growing up? And so his dad says, well, sure, you don't have a job anyway. So <laughs> about four months later, Josh has been filming all these expert fishermen on secret places, tips on fishing, new types of bait, where to stay, where to eat, how to get there on a bargain. And guess what? 100,000 people later, L.L. Bean and Orvis call and say, hey, could we underwrite the chat part of this? You know, could we do something in sponsorship here? The reason that small idea I bring up is, of course, mm -hmm. an L.L. Bean and an Orvis is going to go there before they're going to go, you know, to Sports Illustrated and waste $100,000 on a page where there's very few fishermen reading it. So the effectiveness of those kinds of smaller communities based on a, a passionate content draw is going to continue to proliferate. And you can name any category in healthcare, mm. in technology, especially in technology, in services business. What are the latest things happening in law? What are the latest things happening in marketing? You know, so people are going to be attracted to where the content is hot, where the content is rich, and it's going to help, the, help them live both better personal and professional lives. And you're going to see the professional side of the social web explode in the next three years. Well, that's a great story. It definitely um, exemplifies exactly, I think, what's going on. Um, what do you think is the main obstacle for uh, corporate marketers to create? Let's talk just about rich media. I think the big obstacles, I've sort of surfed along them a, a little bit uh, earlier in the conversation. I think just organizationally, I think it's, it's hard when we're still organized like companies were organized 75 years ago <laughs> on the advent of television. Uh, and I, I think that really has to be looked at. Second is they've got to understand that marketing's at the core of everything. It's a verb thing, not a noun thing. You, you, it's an ongoing process. It's not just uh, developing something and throwing it out there. Uh, third, I think what's really got to be understood is that um, marketing at its best is the influencing of opinion through content. That can be funny content. That can be uh, very serious content. But it makes something happen. And I think if people understand that, they're going to start to organize around that kind of marketing principle than any other. Well, as we all know, the technology to distribute new media is constantly improving. 
But um, here we kind of have a phrase that it's all about the content, stupid. If the content isn't good, then what's the point? In other words, just because your media department has a camera doesn't mean you'll produce a great video. No. And, you know, it's just like it's, well, two points I'll make there. One is I've, you know, been traveling around the world, and I'll talk to a number of senior marketing people who say, Larry, I've tried podcasts. I've tried uh, webisodes and webinars, and hardly anybody comes. And I say, well, two things. One is they're probably boring, <laughs> and, and, you know, nobody wants to do it. And second is a lot of times pe- companies are putting this content up and not letting anybody know. Mm. So they're not going out into the blog sphere that is talking about those products or that, that category and in a transparent, open, and thoughtful way saying, hey, we have some really cool thoughts, and here's a link back to to some content, you know, that, that we're working on. And people aren't going to be that cynical about that. They're going to, they're going to look at that. Then the, the next point I want to make is about this whole self-editing of content and of the blog sphere and even of corporate content. What's going to happen is, you know, if I did a blog on uh, landscaping, nobody's going to come to me because I don't know anything about landscaping. <laughs> but if I do a blog that it, over time really studies the next generation of marketing, I'm going to get, and it's good, and I invite people there, it's going to get more and more audience, and it's going to get a quality audience. That's what's happening. I liken the blog sphere uh, evolution to that of the American newspaper, where yeah. it took 200 years to get to the for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, to get to the top of the heap. Right now, we're getting, you know, they have regrettable names, Luann, like Boing Boing, <laughs> but they're getting to the top of the heap in the blog sphere a lot faster, and they reach a heck of a lot more people than any newspaper in the world today. Well, that's right. I mean, who would ever thought that Google would be a household word or YouTube? Well, I was just in Africa and uh, on a couple things for some uh, nonprofit we're working with called One Laptop Per Child. Mm-hmm. And a number of the kids in uh, Rwanda and uh, Tanzania, their first English word was Google. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> very funny. Hey, I want to ask, um, ask your advice, since I have you cornered here. Um, yep. And our company, Skyways Communications, we produce high-quality online rich media for corporate marketing departments. Now, um, we've sort of seen a need as, as the technology improves, and some departments are trying to do it themselves, and quite frankly, they don't do, most of them anyway, don't do a great job. So we're launching a series of seminars called New Media Boot Camp. So the bottom line to the idea is we're taking advantage of our skills and experience and a knowledge transfer. What do you think of that? I think it's a great idea. Um, where you're going to get uh, the people that are going to fight you on that are the uh, the ad agencies, mm. and um, who are trying desperately to hold on to any kind of content creation. But uh, the name of the Fortune 50 company will, will be taken out here that I was with yesterday in New York. But um, they were complaining constantly that every time they turn around, their fancy ad agency wants to charge three hundred thousand dollars for the perfect video clip. Mm. You know, and that's not what this is about. It's not about grunge either, but it's about understanding how to create relevant, thoughtful content on a regular basis. So just having a basic boot camp and and understanding of what are the basic tenets of of creating thoughtful and compelling content without having to have, you know, Steven Spielberg-like special effects, uh, I think is, is critical to the next generation of corporate communications. Well, I think you're right. It doesn't have to be a movie, um, 
but it does need to be interesting, entertaining, and compelling. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. You talk in the book about um, search is a key part of rich media content in the social web. Search is, is moving, you know, when I talk generational too, you know, right now marketers are stuck on the first generation of search, which Google basically has owned, uh, which is all uh, text-based, algorithmic-based, you know, that if you pay for your your keywords, your, your match to a search, and that will continue, especially as it moves to more visual base. But what I'm more interested in for corporation is what I call social search and contextual search. Social search is going to is be more and more where, whether it's for, you know, finding a hotel, you want to talk to other people that have stayed there or use this travel service or what you're, that's going to, or if from a professional network, much like LinkedIn, I think, is finally maturing, you know, as, as an example, beyond just a, a millions of people looking for a job. I think what they're starting to do is trying to network people around the, un, you know, the understanding of, you know, who's worked with what company and what kind of product is that versus the other kind of product. So I think you're going to get see a lot more in what I call this social search. The companies are going to have to understand and make sure they're hosting and, and fulfilling content that meets criteria of that search and as well as contextual search. And all contextual search is, is something that was pioneered by Amazon with their product A9 which is you don't leave and go back to Google. You stay within a specific mm-hmm. environment to do your search, whether it has relevant relevancy to that specific group or not. You're going to stay within MySpace and search or stay within Facebook and search or stay within IBM and search. And I think that's going to also be relevant for organic uh, um, uh, search ranks, which I think are going to become more important and that's one of Google's Achilles' heel is when we get tired of seeing just the paid uh, results and then we have to sort through the next 10 million of the organic results. And one thing corporations that don't get, which I think is amazing, is that if you keep fresh content every day, you're putting some fresh content on your site, that moves you up in the organic search um, uh, ranks. And, um, and that's a simple thing to do. Well, that's very interesting. And RSS feeds also do that. We do that with our podcast networks, you know, automatically update. A lot of folks have their iPods, you know, docked to get the new content automatically. They don't even have to search for it. Correct. Um, In in the old world, we we talked about ROI in terms of ratings and demographics and all that kind of stuff. Measurement tracking and metrics are are still important in terms of marketing on the social web, um, rich media, et cetera. Uh, Are the, the... Companies that are offering metrics are they keeping are they keeping up with the need? Do you think? No, they're not. And 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 I point that out in the book. I mean, uh, my first caveat is though I think uh, American marketers especially have become over ROI. <laughs> it's like you know, it's almost we spend too much money trying to prove we did things right. <laughs> and, but that said, the current tools, the best is probably Technorati, but I still call. You know, a number of the tools available, snorkelers of the web, uh, they don't go deep enough in, in the qualitative measurement of what's happening. I think we're starting to finally see categories like uh, the word engagement, I think is going to be huge. You know, measuring the time, the, 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 the content that's uh, being created. Um, so more of an understanding of the experience than just the numbers. 
uh, because the web inherently is easy from a numbers perspective or a quant side because, you know, you know how many people downloaded the podcast. You know how many people came. You know how many people left. I think it's going to have to shift, and we're going to need better and more sophisticated tools to point out behavior of customers, uh, the time that is spent, are they really engaged, what kind of content do they like the best. So we need the, the next gen of research companies to help us with that nomenclature and also the uh, sort of the formulas of, 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 uh, of, of measuring uh, our success in this new, uh, in this new world. Now, in your book, the title is Marketing to the Social Web by Larry Weber, who we're talking to today. You say in the book, everyone is media. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's it's really just that everybody has the right to publish something. So I believe that everybody has become media. So you and I can sit down and write something, and now whether anybody reads it doesn't matter, but we can produce something. And we can, you know, my kids can video the soccer game and put it on YouTube and people can watch it or people don't have to watch it. So my point is that everybody's become a creator of content. It's the ones that understand, you know, especially on the corporate side that I'm focused on, that, you know, the better content's going to aggregate the most people. And the job of the marketer today and for the foreseeable future is if I was the CEO uh, telling my chief marketing officer what their job was, I would say your job is to aggregate as many customers and potential customers to our digital environments as possible and keep them coming, keep them engaged, and keep them wanting to know more about our products and our services. And so that's what I mean by that. Uh, well said. Um, now, Larry, get out your crystal ball for a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, corporate marketing with rich media – and marketing in the social web, will that be mainstream in six months, two years? And what about portable media devices? Is that the next big thing? Yeah, I think two things. One is, um, with all due respect to my friend Malcolm Gladwell, I don't think there's going to be a tipping point in the embracing of social media and rich media. I think it's going to be a natural evolution. I think by this time in 36 months, over half of the Fortune 500 or Global 500 will be spending multi-millions of dollars in community creation, content creation, um, and uh, social media-based programs. So um, that's the window I put on that. As far as mobile devices, um, mobile is going to be more and more critical at, as the uh, access point, especially as the devices I believe gets simpler to use and are more software-driven than hardware-driven like they are today. The mobile industry right now reminds me of when I was involved in the marketing hardware companies and the software industries and the software industries um, were considered second tier. And soon the software industries were able to surpass the, uh, the hardware industries, and that's really the reasons for Apple's success. It's nice design, but it's the software that did it, and I think it's going to be all this plethora of software applications among mobile devices that is going to help the WiMAX and the, the, um, the, the, the uh, wireless Internet uh, really expand, and you're going to see larger screens that fold out. You're going to see... Uh, 
you know, much uh, better user interfaces for uh, for the sites, and uh, I think it's going to be, um, you know, wonderful. Uh, the mobile device. I mean, I was told the other day uh, that there's uh, for every kid born in America, there's six phones that are sold. <laughs> so I don't know what we're I don't know what we're doing with all these phones, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty funny statistic. Well, Larry, um, Larry Weber, I want to thank you for t- taking the time to chat with us today. Again, the book is entitled "Marketing to the Social Web." If you want to pick one up, you can go to the website, which is marketingtothesocialweb.com, or do- go directly to Amazon.com and yep. purchase. Again, it's "Marketing to the Social." web. Larry, one more thing. I want you to plug. You mentioned earlier, but we should have talked about it some more, and it could be a whole nother show we do. One laptop per child. Just give me give me the, the, the nutshell. Right. Well, one laptop is really doing two things. It's, it's the brainchild of Nicholas Negroponte, who started the Media Lab at um, MIT, also was the co-founder of Wired Magazine, and of course wrote the amazing book 1990, in 1995, called Being Digital. And Nicholas' idea of to try to eradicate poverty was that he felt that if he could get in the hands of the children in the third world a, a relatively cheap but extremely powerful computer, that that would help change the direction of the world from a poverty and education point of view. Well, they've developed an amazing machine that uh, is um, is light. It's beautiful. It's more powerful than any low-end Dell on the market or HP. Uh, it's received huge reviews. Um, so it has a moral purpose that is is moving out into a number of these third-world countries. It also has disrupted technology. Hmm. I mean, it forced Microsoft to start selling its software to third worlds for three dollars. And it forced Intel to uh, cave in and not uh, design its own uh, laptop for the uh, emerging world, but to put its money behind one laptop. And there'll be a special promotion for Americans uh, starting right before Thanksgiving, where for $399 you can buy two of the laptops. You can keep one and then send one to a place like Rwanda or or Thailand or... uh, uh, Uganda, uh, places like that. So I urge people to Google uh, or the search engine of your choice, I'm sorry, uh, one laptop per child. It's very cool, and I think it's going to be very impactful. Well, that's a great project that you're involved in. Again, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.